precious saints of God. It's always a joy to be here with all of you. And uh, just let God do his work. A tremendous presence of God here tonight. And uh, I believe that that's what God desires to do. Amen. When it comes to breaking chains, he wants to see things go forward. Uh, there's nothing impossible with him. I've often said it. He's just looking for the opportunity to take out the next bully. And uh, that's uh, he's got that kind of an, an ability to do that. Amen. Thank God. And it's just good to be here with each and every one of you. Feel the precious presence of the Almighty God. And with the help of God here tonight, I want to look into the Word of God. And um, just something practical and uh, that we can live by. Because I believe that we're in this thing for the kingdom of God. We're in this thing to see the kingdom of God go forward. Amen. This is what we're here for. This is why we came tonight. Amen. Thank God that we get blessed as well. That's the side benefit. But the purpose is to be here for the kingdom of God and to see it moving forward. And so I thank God for that. And I, tonight, I, I want to, with the help of the Lord, we want to go to 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. Amen, amen. And uh, I know that God is able to help us here. This is just a simple thought in that sense. Not worried about that. But just uh, at the same time to help you grasp something. Because day by day we live in a world that is so desperately needs God. We've got, we live in a world that today there are things that we're facing that we've never faced before. There are situations and circumstances that are complex. Very rarely are they just straightforward. And uh, there's convolution of every sort. But our God is well able. Our God is well able. We're not in this thing just on our own. We're not in this thing without the help of Almighty God. Amen. Sometimes we get to looking at it from our perspective. And uh, we're no match. We realize we need the Almighty God. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant it is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. 
Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be among the kings like unto thee all thy days. What a tremendous promise was given to Solomon that day. Amen. Amen. We need the wisdom of Almighty God tonight. We need the wisdom of Almighty God tonight. Let's just talk to him for a moment. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come into your presence. God, for you see the needs of each and every individual. You see those, Lord God, that need you so desperately. Lord, we're calling upon you here tonight. Desiring your wisdom, desiring your spirit above all. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Open our minds and hearts. Let there be divine illumination in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage that we've looked at, there's several things that we want to just begin to pick up here for just a little bit. And um, looking back there at verse 7. Solomon, in a humbled position, begins to look at it and say, I'm but a child. I know not how to go out and come in. He understood that and and looked at it and and felt somewhat the inferiority that comes as he looked upon the great multitude of the people and knew that it was his responsibility to make adequate judgment and to have to settle all kinds of issues, every kind of issue imaginable that came before the king It was his responsibility to pass judgment and to be able to settle these things and to give solid judgment uh, for the people. But there, as he began to look at it, and he begins to ask God for a a heart that would be able to discern between the good and the bad and be able to judge this so great people. And it's interesting, but God said this speech pleased him. And uh, part of it was when you begin to look at it there, he began to tell Solomon, he said, you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies. You didn't ask for the things that were for your grandizement. You didn't ask for the things that were for your accolades. You didn't ask for the things that were there to build you up and to make you uh, something of great stature. But he said, you asked for the people. You asked for the need there that was going to meet the need of my people. I am convinced tonight that when it comes to the living God, that when it comes to the church of the living God, that when we begin to get it in our mind that these things are for the souls of men that he has died for, that there is a difference in how God responds to a prayer, how God responds to what we're doing. If it's done there for self-seeking avenues and directions there for our own personal game or demonstration, this is not going to fly with God. It is not going to fly with God. It is something that he is willing to do great things whenever our interest is in his people and in what he paid the price for. I'm convinced this is where it's at. And so God began to tell Solomon, he said, he said because of that, he said, I've given unto you a, a heart there, a wise and understanding heart. And uh, he promised him the things he did not ask for to come along with it. That was just that was the side benefit that was going to come. But the chief benefit was is that he was going to be able to be used of Almighty God to do a great work there with the children of God, with the people of God, and that was his avenue. 
even the world, uh, whenever you begin to look at it, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3 and we'll pick it up in verse 16 for a moment because the Bible gives us an illustration here, gives us an incident that took place in Solomon's life and no doubt probably shortly after taking the throne and, and uh, you know, here was the situation, came right there into his courtroom. And the scripture says in verse 16, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together, and there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living son is my son and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. Now, you, you got to understand the significance of this. Under, under monarchy, under a king, it was not a matter of politically correct. It wasn't a matter of looking for somebody that uh, could come up with a loophole somewhere. It was not going to be based on precedent. There was no, uh, this thing, once the king made his decision, let me tell you, his men that stood by him, they, uh, you know, there was no doubt. There was an executioner. He was not squeamish about what was going to take place. There were men that were soldiers. They, they also understood death. It was something that if the king said so, it was a done deal. It was just that simple. And they understood the power of the king. They understood this situation was going down. And so they brought the sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. It was the wisdom of God that was in him to do judgment. All of a sudden, it became evident that the wisdom of God was there. And Solomon recognized immediately that the one who was truly the mother, it, it didn't matter. If she had the child, it was better in her mind that the other woman have her child if that's what it took for it to live. She had, that was the typical, that was the cry of that mother and regardless. And Solomon recognized that. And God had given him the judgment and tremendous wisdom. The world recognizes it. In fact, they'll recognize this particular incident and refer to it as the judgment of Solomon. 
Uh, the, how they label that, whenever they, in, in relation to a secular college, secular classroom, is they label it as being written by an anonymous. They don't give God any credit on that. They don't go over the first part of it so that they understand that Solomon was given God's wisdom. They just look at it as Solomon's judgment. Wait a minute. This is something that's far beyond that point. This is something that God has done. This is something that God has met the need in this man right here and has brought it about for the sake of his people. I'm convinced tonight that God knows what he's doing in, in bringing about revival, and he wants this church. He wants his church to be able to have the wisdom of God, to know how to reach the lost, what we've got to do, how to meet the needs of those that we're reaching out to. I'm convinced that there's the wisdom of Almighty God that can do a work that is far beyond you and I. We're not out there just coming up head to head, intellect to intellect, trying to match the character. No, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with something that God is able to do. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. And uh, we look at it here again. The scripture begins to talk about wisdom. And uh, it uses uh, the form of a per personification. And in other words, that wisdom is treated by itself as a person. And so in these first few verses, it is there personified in the female gender. And uh, again, as, as we look over that aspect of it there, uh, you know, it's the cry. It's the cry of her. It's, it's something there that she has the emotion. She has the cry. She is making the cry to the men. She's trying to somehow get in through their thick skin and what they're all involved in to realize the need of wisdom. And so she's crying out. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse in the opening of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words. So you notice that here, as you look at it, she's crying without. She's not being let in. She's on the outside. She's crying out to those that will hear her cry there. And she's in the streets. She's in the place where the common people are. And it says that she's in the chief place of the concourse, in the opening of the gates. This is where business was done. This is where government was taken care of. This is where judgment took place. This is where the men met and did business. This was a busy place. It was there. And she wasn't just hiding in obscurity, but she was there crying out to those men, seek wisdom, seek wisdom. She was trying to reach out to them. And she made the statement. She said, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. And so she chose and dealt with three specific areas there. The, that aspect of the simple ones is just, in other words, that they had no desire for learning. They were satisfied to stay where they were. They had no desire to further themselves or benefit beyond that point. And here she was crying, how long will you love simplicity and just stay where you're at? She looked at the scorners, and she said she could see them, and they just wanted to mock. They wanted to make fun. They wanted to scorn what somebody else does. That aspect of scorning is putting somebody else down. It's not that they're necessarily doing anything themselves, but they put somebody else down for trying. It's just a scornful attitude. And then she said, and fools hate knowledge. There was a remedy 
there for being foolish. It was there to be able to get some knowledge, begin to get some understanding, begin to realize what it took, realize that somewhere you've got to start somewhere and begin to do it. I, I'm telling you what, there, you may never have taught a Bible study, but if you haven't, thank God you can't. It, it, it's not impossible. It's not difficult. It doesn't have to be just a minister. There, You can read the same pamphlet. You can look at it, and you've been there. It's like I told some men one time, talking to them, you know, and I've had them say to me, well, you know, they're in the drug world, they're in this and that, and they said, well, you've never been there. I said, no, I've never been there, but I'm where you want to be, and I'll help you get there. Because it's not a matter. I don't have to go into the drug world to know what the drug, uh, what it does. I can look and see the effect. I understand there's a spirit associated with it. I understand there's those things. I remember dealing with some women that were in the women's children program, and they were coming to our church, and they were excited, and I don't blame them. Uh, they were excited as they looked at their program, and they said, now we've got some tools in our hands. We can, you know, we're excited, and we realize what we did to our families. And I said, that's tremendous. I said, but let me tell you something. I said, you've got some excellent tools in your hands. But I said, you've got to understand there's a spiritual component to this thing. Anytime you're not in control of your faculties, you've opened yourself to spirits. And those spirits have had control for a period of time. You may be free at the moment, not under direct influence. But let me tell you, they're lurking. They've had control before. And all of a sudden, people you didn't think you'd ever see again will show up out of nowhere. All of a sudden, some incident, some situation, it comes back around. Where's it coming from? It's the spirit world that brings these things about. Let me tell you, you've got to have the spirit of God to be able to overcome and see the power of the Holy Ghost give you victory over these things and to see the power of the enemy brought to that. It, it, it takes the wisdom of Almighty God to know how to live for God. And so wisdom cried out. Wisdom cried out. And then it's, it's just like it evolves right there. It begins to be God speaking there in verse 23. He said, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. This is God. He desires for you and I to know his words. Because I've called and you've refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you've said it not all my counsel would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity and I'll mock when your fear comes. Now that's a strange concept to imagine of God. There's a reason why wisdom was crying in the street. There was a reason why God was trying to get their attention and to begin to realize how serious this thing was. He wanted them to have the best, but they could continue going their way. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then they'll call upon me, but I'll not answer. They'll seek me early, but they'll not find me. For they hated the knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. That's a pretty potent statement. Sounds a little negative. But on the other hand, we have to understand God's got something powerful and mighty. He wants us to understand there has to be both, these, both sides of the positive and the negative. 
He says in verse 32, for the turning away of the simple shall slay them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. God wants us to realize, you know, he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to help them understand. You don't want to just stay where you're at. You've got to grow. He wants them to grow. He wants to see you move forward. He's wanting to see these things, not just being satisfied with where you are, but being able to move forward in the kingdom of God. It's his desire to give you wisdom. It's his desire to see you be able to move forward in the power of the living God. Now, moving into the New Testament for just a little bit. This is Bible study night, so I'm taking my time. Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. When we begin to look into the aspect of the gifts of the Spirit, and you begin to see again, God was equipping the church of the living God. He, didn't, he wasn't just leaving us there helter-skelter. He had a purpose and a plan in mind. I believe tonight he knows what he's doing. There's times when you and I face situations, there's no way to know except God would help us at that time. When I first went to Baker City and started the church, we had, had gone there, and, and um, we, started, we were able to find that there was only a couple houses to rent. And, and at first, we didn't want this one house because it was for sale. But that ended up being the only one left. We took it, and it had a very large living room in it. We had some pews and a few things we had and had managed to collect, and we set up church in our living room, and, and uh, you know, we were ready to go. And, and uh, uh, so I, I had not started our first service yet, but I had gone out, and I was sweeping the driveway, and, you know, it was my push broom, just doing a little cleaning, getting things ready, and and uh, the neighbor came out, and uh, he he came out there, and, and he said, you must be the new Pentecostal preacher in town. I was kind of, I was kind of shook. <laughs> How do you know I was, I didn't, I had no sign out, hadn't said anything to anybody, hadn't started. I didn't have, well, he'd been over to Brother Parker's and found out I was coming. So anyway, which was all well and good, and he said, he began to ask me, he said, well, I want to know. He said, are you as adamant as your counterparts are about Jesus' name baptism. He said, I've been baptized every way you can think of. He said, I want to know if, if you're as adamant as your counterparts are about Jesus' name baptism. And I knew he was expecting me to condemn everybody. I understood that. And I knew that I needed God. And right there at that moment, I don't know where that answer came from, but God helped me. And I turned to him, I said, well, let me just put it this way. I said, if on judgment day God chooses to deviate from his word, that's his prerogative, but he didn't give me that prerogative. And that's just God. I don't it's just God who brings that kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about. You can depend on Almighty God to give you the wisdom to meet situations, things that you hadn't anticipated. But I look back and I thank God. It's just some little simple statement, but it was his. He brought it to light. It was I give him the glory for that and know that he is the one who's able. This is what he's given his church. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to benefit, to profit, to reap a reward, to get something. All right? For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Let me tell you, it is God's plan. He's got the, he's got the, the gifts of the spirit given to the church. It's there. And it, it, when you realize that when you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God can move on you as he chooses whenever you allow him to. He, he is ready to use you. He's ready to see you moving forward. Now look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Here again, if you'll notice what the scripture says, likewise the spirit, here again, the power of the Holy Ghost, also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts, and he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now there's a lot of times when we a situation comes up, and when we start praying, at least I've been guilty of it, but when I start praying for that situation, I've got it in my mind. I've got it diagnosed. I've got it figured out what needs to happen. I've got it figured out what they need to do. I've got it all in place. And so I'm praying that God takes care of it the way I understand how it needs to be done. No, that's not the way it needs to be done. I need him to do it according to his plan. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we don't know how to pray as we should, as we ought. But the Spirit maketh intercession. There's things that happen as we're praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. When it says that we're ambassadors for him, that means that we're, when an ambassador, he's involved with a foreign country. He becomes the liaison between one country and another country. When you begin to realize God is not going to force himself on any individual. He's not going to, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody right there. But it's when you and I begin to get into the spirit realm and all of a sudden begin to open up that door of communication between earth and heaven. When we begin to be that liaison in between and he's able to to move on us and the spirit is able to make intercession and because it says that uh, that he searches the hearts he knows the mind of the spirit maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God it's when you and I are praying in the spirit that there's an interaction there between earth and heaven for that individual for the needs of it we don't know what they need but God knows what they need it's you and I here on earth that begin to ask there with heavenly help for the need of somebody else that God is able to do the work and we're ambassadors for Christ it's there that we begin to see God do and open up doors that you and I can't in fact to you and I sometimes it looks so difficult it looks almost hopeless but until God gets on it I remember remember hearing 
Brother Lambeth, I believe it was, he was preaching a message one time. And he said, you need to just push it up into God's world where there's no limitation. He said, we look at it and we see all of the limitations here on earth. He said, we just need to get it into his world where there is no limitation, where he can do, you know, and, and I just like that analogy. What, you know, it's, it's you and I beginning to be able to touch and see God do an awesome work there. Now, I want to go to the book of Acts. And I'm not going to preach the whole book of Acts, but I am going to read several incidents. <laughs> and so, Acts chapter 4 and verse 6. Acts chapter 4 and verse 6. And so we see that right after the day of Pentecost and uh, in Acts chapter 3, of course, the lame man that was brought to the gate beautiful was healed. And uh, it was a tremendous thing. It, it upset all of the Sanhedrin, upset all of the religious, you know, guys at that point and uh, the leadership. And so we see that the disciples, Peter and John, were brought before them. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 6. And Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they'd set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Now they recognized there was a supernatural event took place. They weren't going to give any credence to anything they just wanted to know by what name or by what power. And when they'd said, and then Peter, notice this in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, I mean, when you look, those are familiar words. We've read them before. But when you stop and think about what Peter said right there, where did he come up with that answer? He's a fisherman. He, he, in fact, the very next verse we're going to read says that they took note that they were ignorant and unlearned men. They were fishermen. These were, you know, where, where did all of a sudden Peter get that kind of an answer? Just, you begin to realize that the power of the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden there came forth an answer that was able to be there. And it wasn't just a... Uh, you know, a pleasant, you know, it wasn't just something there that, that was going to make win friends and influence people and make everybody happy and warm and fuzzy. No, that wasn't the case. When you begin to look at it, he began to tell them right off the bat. He said, be it known to you all and all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. I mean, it's accusation right there confronting them, whom God raised from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand before you whole. Then he begins to tell them, the stone which was set at not of you builders has become the head of the corner. He just lays it out. I mean, this, there, was, there was no attempt to sugarcoat this in any sense. It's just absolutely right straight from the Spirit. He wasn't doing it vindictively. He wasn't doing it ugly. But I want you to understand here that when you begin to see how Peter answered there, 
This answer came as a result of the Holy Ghost. This answer came by the Spirit of the living God. This answer right here was what God wanted spoke to those men. When you begin to realize that there's, there's times, and uh, we've all been there. You know, there's times when, you, you know, as you're, you're sitting there, you've got a new guest, you've got somebody with you, and, uh, you know, the pastor's just preaching and coming down the line and whatever the case may be, and he's going, and you're kind of going, ooh, God, yeah, that's a little tough. But, whoa, he, uh, no, just relax. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. He's wanting it portrayed a certain way. He's wanting the word to hit them just like he wants it. He knows what's in their heart. He knows what it's going to take. He knows how it's going to be broken. He's got it in plan. You need to pray for your pastor that God gives it as he moves on him and the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes on him and the might and power of God to do a great and an awesome work. Let God take care of the situation. It's his church. It's his people. He knows what he's doing. He's got it under control. It's his church. Now, when they, verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They had at least acknowledged that. They weren't going to acknowledge much more. Just they'd been with him. But that wasn't just the case. It wasn't just a matter that they'd been with him. They'd learned a lot of things in that three and a half years. They'd had a 40-day seminar right after his crucifixion and before the day of Pentecost. But now he was dwelling in them. They took it that he, they had been with Jesus. They weren't recognizing that Jesus was now in them, dwelling in them, giving them the words to say, moving on them by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what, this is what God has in mind right here for his church. And I know you know that. I'm not preaching anything new, but it's just reminding us to hear again. All right. They couldn't say anything against it. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphire, his wife, sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. People had been selling property, giving things, donating, and that was all well and good. And, in fact, it was, there wasn't anything wrong with what Ananias, as far as they chose to keep back part of it, it was how they presented it. They had the choice. If they sold that piece of ground for 30000 and wanted to give the church twenty and keep ten. it's your business. But don't come telling the church that's how much you sold it for. And so, look at this. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Where did Peter get that? Who tipped him off? Yeah, the Spirit moved on him. And it's right there. You begin to look at it, what the Spirit said. He said, it, it was in your heart, Satan's filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. While it remained, was it not thine own? After it was sold, was it not in thy power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men rose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. 
And right behind it, his wife comes in. Peter said, did you sell the ground for so much? Oh, yeah. He said, how is it that you've agreed together? The light of the Holy Ghost. Because it's men that carried your husband out are going to carry you out. But you drop dead. Now, that was pretty amazing when you look at it. This is how God saw it and how he dealt with it. We've got to understand God knows what he's doing. He knows how he's taking care of things. Sometimes we don't always understand all the ways of God. But we have to understand when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, God knows what he's doing. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in daily ministration. Oh, yeah. Both of them, both groups, the Hebrews and the Grecians. Man, they were excited. There had been great revival. Many were being added to the church. Man, it was exciting. They were going. The disciples were doing their part. And all of a sudden, the widows that had been being taken care of there and beneficiaries of the church or of the Jews and of the Grecians were being neglected. Then the twelve, the original disciples, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That's pretty amazing. All of a sudden, everybody didn't just get all panicked over it. They came back to the reality and looked at the priority. This has got to be done. They weren't denying it needed to be taken care of. But ultimately, we've got to, we, we're not leaving the word of God. Wherefore, brethren, Look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Just to take care of widows? Yep. Pretty high criteria. Men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom to take care of. I'm telling you what, God has a plan for his church. God has a plan for his church. He knew that there were situations that would arise that needed the wisdom of Almighty God. They said, but we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom when they'd set before the apostles, when they'd prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why? Because this was the wisdom of Almighty God that had been given then. And to give them a direction and how to take care of the situation. All right. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called of the synagogue, the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they could, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. I'm just pointing out, this is, this is in the book of Acts. This is a, what God intends for his church. 
He intends for you and I to have, he wants this kind of wisdom. He wants us walking in the spirit. He wants these kind of things happening and moving forward. I'm convinced that this is exactly, uh, this is part of, of apostolic revival, is having the wisdom of Almighty God to give us direction to deal with people in situations we know nothing about, that God is able to give us that type of wisdom, help us there, able to give your pastor the wisdom that's needed for where the direction and where things are going. All right, just a couple more. Acts chapter 8 and verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. you got to understand, Simon was a sorcerer. He'd been fooling the people with a lot of all kinds of tricks, sleight of hand, whatever the case may have been, dark magic. I don't know what all he was using, but whatever the case, he had fooled the people to where they, they believed that he was the, the man of God. He was in the power of God. And uh, they had looked to him. But now, all of a sudden, they're receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Simon is looking at this. He's been baptized like the rest. But this was a new experience. I've often looked at this and, and uh, said, you know, when you begin to look at what Simon is seeing, he's seeing something here he's willing to pay for. You know, it, it wasn't just a case of somebody just folding their hands and getting warm and fuzzy. No, he, he saw something happening that made him willing to pay for it. He, there was something that was transpiring when these people were getting the Holy Ghost that he was willing to pay serious money for that. He said, give me this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in the matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Wow. I mean, you think about what Peter said to him. Your heart's not right. No one can know that except God. This is God who's speaking through Peter right here, through the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, if thine heart may be forgiven. I perceive you're in a gall of bitterness. Yeah, you've lost all your livelihood. You've lost all your following. You're still in the bond of iniquity, self-will, and lawlessness, wanting to do your own thing. Where'd you get all of that? Through the Holy Ghost. You know, there's times when we're praying at the altar. You don't know. You and I don't know. I've seen times where there's people down there and they're weeping and crying. And, you know, you're down there praying and wanting to see them, you know, repent and see God touch them. And they keep crying. And then they get up and you start talking to them. And, you know, their dog just died. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You're you know, but. There's all kinds of crazy things why people are crying. That's all I'm saying. There's times when we need the power of a living God. We've got to be able to have God to touch and move, to know what to do when we're at the altar, how to speak to somebody, what needs to be said, what needs to be moved on, what is happening right at that moment. God can give you the right words, give you these things when you're under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. God wants to use you and use the power of the living God. All right, one more. Acts chapter 13, verse 6. 
And when they'd gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who was called Barnabas, who'd called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, here's another sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them. So he's interfering with this man coming to God, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Wow. I don't think that Paul was too awfully worried. You know, at that stage of the game, it was not a personality thing. At that stage of the game, it was not premeditated. At that stage of the game, he had no relationship with this man other than the fact that he was beginning to interfere with this other man coming to God. And when it began to interfere, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost moved on him. Let me tell you, it was right there that the Holy Ghost revealed that to that man what his condition was there before Almighty God. Let me tell you, God is able to deal with you and I. Thank God he's able to deal with you and I. Thank God it's the power of anointed preaching. Thank God it's the power of the Holy Ghost that's able to deal with you and I. And we need that wisdom of Almighty God. Amen. And so, just quickly as we look at it, the Scripture tells us there in James that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Yeah. He said, let any man look. He said in James chapter 3, want to go, this is the last verses here, but James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. There's a wisdom of Almighty God who is able to give you and I what we need in this day and time to be able to reach the lost. I believe it's for every one of us. You know, we can look at it and we can try to, you know, we have a tendency to hide behind whatever inferiority, whatever lacking we may feel. Wait a minute. He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth to all men liberally. That's what he wanted us to have. That's why he talked about it. He desired for us to have that. In fact, there was more of a condemnation for not asking than there was for asking. He wanted us to seek that. He wanted us to, and to, again, for what? For the moving forward of the kingdom of God. Not for our wisdom, not for what's going to impress anybody with what we've got to say. No, it has to do with what the Holy Ghost wants to do, what he wants to do through you and I. It's not for our accolade, not for our glory, but it's for his glory. It's for the kingdom of God moving forward. It's that God wants to use you. 
It doesn't make any difference what the age is. You young people, you know, God knows what he's doing. You can look at it and be looking at all of the things that face you, and I know they do. And I know there's all kinds of circumstances, and there's pressures and things, and yet I believe that today there's still an almighty God who has an answer for you, and it doesn't matter. He's able to give you the same wisdom. He can give it to you for on your level where you are, where you're at on your job, what you need to do, how to handle the situation. That's how God does it. I remember years ago hearing the story of a lady that God had filled with the Holy Ghost. And she's been marvelously delivered, and, and she so desperately wanted her husband to be saved. And so every night as she knelt down beside her bed, she would begin to pray and begin to intercede and weep and cry for her husband He'd just lay there, never make a move, never said anything, just waited for her to get through praying. She'd get through praying, go to bed. This had gone on for some time. Finally, one night, God just spoke to her and said, don't pray out loud tonight. So after she'd been kneeling by her bed a little bit, she went to bed. And in a few minutes, her husband was out of bed crying out to God. He figured if his wife had given up on him, he better get a hold of God. <laughs> as long as she was praying, he figured he had time. God knew what he was doing. God, it was the wisdom of Almighty God. He knew how to get a hold of him, knew how to deal with those kind of situations. God knows what he's doing. He's, he's the one who gives us wisdom. He's the one who knows how to take care of situations, seemingly simple things, and yet, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, God has a way of moving. He'll put you in the right place. He'll put you at the right time. He'll open it up to you there. You just begin to follow. This is being led of the Spirit. As you begin to seek God for his wisdom, and you begin to deal with difficult situations, whatever it may be, whoever you're working with right now, I don't know who you're working with, but I do know that you can ask God for wisdom to deal with that situation. You can begin to pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit will make intercession for that situation that you can't and do not know how to pray as you ought. But God knows how and what He wants you to deal with. And God is able to open up the doors and be able to do great things. Let's stand here tonight. God is mighty, and He is powerful. Thank God. Thank God. It's the wisdom of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I want us just to take a little time tonight and uh, you, it just, you know, you know your situation. You know where you're at. You know what kind of things you're facing. You know who you're talking to. You know what kind of situations are there. You've got family members. You've got people on your job. You've got circumstances that you need the wisdom of God. You can't be in the church of the living God hardly and be around people very long before you're going to come up against things. You can't. If nothing else, you need to pray for your pastor for wisdom because he deals with a lot of situations, a lot of things you may not know anything about. But he needs the wisdom of Almighty God. He's holding together. He's in, uh, keeping the congregation moving forward. He's got to have vision. 
He's got to have the direction where he's going. He's got to have these things in place. He needs the, the touch of Almighty God. He needs the wisdom of Almighty God, and I believe he has it. But it, it's there as we look at it and we uphold the hands of the ministry and see God give it the leadership where he wants us to go and to see it there. It's, it's not for our glory, but it's for the purpose of the kingdom of God there that God wants to do it. And tonight, I would believe it would just be good for us just to find a place somewhere here tonight. Kneel down. Talk to God for a little bit. Amen. Begin to just talk to him about the wisdom that we need here tonight. Amen. We need it collectively. We need it individually. We need it before Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I, he said, if any man lack wisdom, feeling inferior about something, begin to ask God. We can have a confidence in him. He knows where you need to be. He knows who you're talking to. Amen. Amen. Let's find a place as they're singing here tonight. But amen. Let's just find a place and begin to talk to God. God, we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom, Jesus. We need your wisdom, Jesus. We need your wisdom, Jesus. Hallelujah. We need the wisdom you gave your church. God, you've given it here. God, you've given them wisdom. My God, my God, my God, let us touch you here tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, that you would give, help us here tonight. Lord, who would we turn to? God, how else can we do it? God, we don't know how to go out or come in. God, we don't know how to do these things, Lord, and who needs it. God, but you do. You care. You see. God, you know the ones that we're dealing with. God, you know the people that we're reaching out to. God, you know the circumstances. God, you see the situations with these individuals. My God, tonight, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would go before us. God, that it would be an outflowing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. 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 We need your wisdom. We need your wisdom. We need your knowledge tonight. God, that you would do a work here in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. For your honor and your glory, God. Bless them, Lord God. You have revival in mind. God, you have revival in mind. God, you see each one that will be added to the church. God, you see each one that will be added to the church. Added daily, such as should be saved. My God, my God, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We need you here tonight. God, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 